Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. In 1 John 2.2, 1 John 2.2, 2, he's, the, he's the propitiation for our sins, but not for ours only, for also for the sins of the whole world. So Pilate then receives him, says he's a Jew, and Pilate tells them, "Go, you judge him, he's a Jew. But the Jews respond in verse 31, verse 31, then said Pilate unto them, take him and judge him according to your law. The Jews therefore said unto him, it's not lawful for us to put a man to death. See, they say this. It's not lawful for us to put a man to death. Now, what are they actually admitting here? What they're admitting is that they no longer have sovereignty as a nation. Not lawful, they're under the Roman rule. That's what they're saying. And when they say that, they are actually verbalizing that they are at the time of the prophecy of when the Messiah should come. When the Messiah should come. When should the Messiah come? As Jacob was dying and he gave the prophecy when he looked at Judah and he said in, in Genesis 49.10, Genesis 49.10, he said when the Messiah would come, he said the scepter, that's the symbol of sovereignty of a nation. The scepter shall not depart from Judah nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come, that's the Messiah, and unto him shall be the gathering of the people. In other words, he was saying the Jewish nation would not have sovereign autonomy. The Jewish nation would be under another nation. That's when Messiah would come. That was the prophecy. And the very fact that they said to, to Pilate, it's not lawful for us to put a man to death, was saying we no longer have sovereignty as a nation. But that didn't matter to them. It didn't matter to them because they were intent that he should be condemned to death. But Daniel 9.26, Daniel 9.26 says that the Messiah would be cut off, but not for himself. So the pain that he felt when he was seeing his own people turn him over to Pilate, and then the, it further came as a dagger to his heart in verse 35, in verse 35, John 18.35, when Pilate answered and said, am I a Jew? Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? What hast thou done? He's being delivered up, as Pilate said, by your own people. Your own nation has delivered you up. Then imagine the Lord Jesus was there. He's bound in front of Pilate. He sees Pilate, as, as we saw in the video, trying to release him, trying to get the Jews to agree to release him, and he holds out this choice to the Jewish people, and he says to them, I've got two prisoners and I will release one to you. You tell me who you want. On the one hand, here is this man named Barabbas. He is a robber, he is a murderer, 
And on the other hand, here is Jesus. Now, when, the, when Pilate makes this, this proposal to the people, you can imagine that the Lord Jesus is sitting there wondering, what are they gonna say? What are they gonna say? Who are they gonna choose? But in verse 40, they cry out their response, John 18, 40. Then cried they all again, saying, not this man, but Barabbas. Barabbas was a robber. How discouraging. How discouraging for the Lord. You know, the Lord was a very tender person. He felt things. He wasn't hard-hearted. As a matter of fact, he was given this commission by God the Father when he was sent into the world, go bring the Jewish people back to me. Bring, as he says, bring Jacob back to God. So he starts off with this mission, and yet this is what happens, is that these people don't come back to God. They want to deliver him to death. And this hurt him so much in his heart that he expresses this in Isaiah 49.4. Isaiah 49.4 is the expression of the heart, of the discouragement of the heart of the Lord Jesus when he says, then I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for naught and in vain. Surely my judgment is with the Lord and my work with my God. That's what he feels. And now, now comes the answer from God the Father. And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be a servant, to bring Jacob again to him. Though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. And he said, God the Father, and he said, it's a light thing that thou should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth, which is what's happened which is what happened. So this is the Lord Jesus. We can feel his, his discouragement when he says, I have labored in vain and I've spent my strength for naught. He's, he's there before Pilate and he said, what have I been doing for three years? I feel like such a failure to hear them now ask for Barabbas. But he didn't give up. He didn't give up. Then he makes a decision. Pilate makes a decision in, in John chapter 19. John chapter 19, verse 1. Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. Now the Jews had a custom that during a whipping or a beating that there was 40 lashes and no more because the person could die. But that wasn't common for the Romans and therefore there were the prisoners that often died from their beatings because their whips had woven into the, into the braids of the whip pieces of bone designed to flay, flail the flesh off of the body. So it was really a defleshing. And the Lord spoke about this in Psalm 129.3. Psalm 129.3, where he said, the plowers plowed upon my back. They made long their furrows. So you can just picture with that long stroke as it came across him, the long furrows, like plowing a field that just gashed down into the tissue, the muscle. But he didn't resist He didn't resist the scourging. As a matter of fact, he willingly gave himself to be beaten. And this he said in in Isaiah 50, verse 6. Isaiah 50, verse 6. I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. He knew, he knew how terrible the scourging was going to be, and he talked about it. He talked about it to his disciples in advance when he said in Matthew 20, verse 18, Matthew 20, 18, 
Behold, we go up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge. That was the beating. And to scourge and to crucify him, and the third day he shall rise again. Yet, with all of this, he didn't give up. He went forward. Why? Because as he was being beaten, as he was being wounded, as he was being bruised, he was thinking to himself, it's for a purpose. It's for a purpose. As it says in Isaiah 53, 5, Isaiah 53, 5, he was wounded for our transgressions. He thought to himself, I'm wounded. I'm being wounded now for the transgressions of God's people. He was bruised for our iniquity. I'm being bruised now for the iniquity of God's people. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And he's thinking to himself, each one of these stripes is healing the people. It's healing the people. He had no sin. He had no sin at all, as it says in Isaiah 53.8. Isaiah 53.8, it says, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. Was he stricken. And yet he experienced the wrath of God that we deserved. We should have been there, not him. But he took our place. He took our place, as it says in Lamentations 3.1. Lamentations 3.1, I am the man that has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He said, this is the wrath of God. This is the rod of God, which is coming down on me for the sins of the people. And yet with all that, he doesn't turn back. He doesn't turn back. He doesn't accuse. He doesn't threaten he doesn't say, oh, you're gonna pay for this. Not at all, because in Isaiah 53, 9, verse nine, it says, he did no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. And yet, even through this beating, he continued on, he didn't give up. Then there was the soldiers, and to humiliate him, to humiliate him, it says in verse two and three of John 19, 2, John 19, 2, the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe and say, hail, king of the Jews, and they smote him with their hands. Now, the acacia tree, the acacia tree in that part of the world, it's in the Middle East, it's in Africa, it's in Ethiopia, has very long, two-inch long, sharp thorns. And they make this into a crown of thorns. And this acacia tree, actually there is a crown of thorns, and you can see it in the museum over there, to see exactly what this, this is not your rosebush thorns. These are sharp thorns, very long. And we learn about what happened in Mark 15, 19. Mark 15, 19, when it says that after they put this crown of thorns on him, it says they smote him on the head with a reed and did spit upon him and bowing the knees. So the soldiers now take a reed and they drive into his head these thorns. Now the scalp is highly vascularized, a lot of blood vessels in the scalp, so the blood would become gushing now over his head from this, just like the blood of the lambs that was put on the top of the doors of the house there. Then they put on him this purple robe. Now, this purple robe goes right onto his raw, the flesh is really gone, right onto his tissue, and they mock him, and they worship him, and yet with all of this, he doesn't give up. He doesn't give up, like the video said. It's only Friday. Then Pilate presents him to the people in John 19.4. John 19.4, Pilate presents him. Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto him, Behold, I bring him forth to you that you may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns, the purple robe. Pilate saith unto him, Behold the man. 
Behold the man. It's quite a statement. He is God who became a man. But just like Christian said, he died. He died a man. It was so obvious to Pilate. He said, this is a man. This is a 100% man. Behold the man. And when the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out saying, crucify him, crucify him. And so they, they cry out, crucify him. You know why? They wanted that indelible mark to be on him, the mark of the cross. He's a man who was crucified. It was very common in those days that prisoners were actually buried with the cross that they were nailed to so that their bodies would always be seen, always be thought of in that state of great shame of being crucified with a cross. And that's the reason why it says in Isaiah 53.3, Isaiah 53.3, we hid, as it were, our faces from him. Oh, no, too much to bear. Can't stand the sight. The shame of it all. He hears these cries calling out for him to be crucified, and he doesn't give up. And But Pilate then gives the sentence, that he's to be crucified. They'd be crucified. And we read in verse 17, John 19, 17, he bearing his cross went forth unto a place called the place of the skull, which is in the Hebrew Golgotha. So he's carrying his cross, just like we saw. He's carrying his cross up Mount Calvary, up Mount Moriah. He's just like little Isaac, carrying the wood, the sacrifice for himself. In Genesis 22.6, Genesis 22.6, Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and they went both of them together. They went both of them. So he's now carrying the cross, but the cross is too heavy. It's too heavy for him. They lay it on his shoulder, his shoulder that has the flesh stripped off of it. It's so painful for him. He stumbles. Another person has to take his cross he goes up to this place called the place of the skull. Why? Because when they decapitated people, they threw their skulls down there. He comes to this place, this place of the skull, this place of death. And death in this place has always triumphed over man. Only today it's going to be different. Today it's going to be a place where man is going to triumph over death, the Lord Jesus Christ. But he get, he's under this weight of the cross. He doesn't give up. Then the three words that described the most horrific thing that happened to him. Just three words in verse 18, John 19, 18. John 19, 18, they crucified him. They crucified him. No details are given, but it's left to us. It's left to us to fill in the color, to fill in what happened. They didn't have to hold him down. He willingly gave his hands, just like he gave his back to the smiters, he gave his hands, he gave his feet so that they could drive the nails through. They hoist up the cross. They drop it into the ground with such a great thud, it dislodges all the bones in his body. And then they mock him. They mock him. Come down. Come down from the cross if you're really who you claim to be. Save yourself. Then we'll believe. Let us see. Then we'll believe. They leave him up there in a state to die of dehydration. As he's on the cross, what does he say when he's on the cross? Does he say, oh, my head it's hurting so much. Or is he saying, oh, my back is hurting so much. He's saying, oh, my hands and my feet. He's not saying that at all. What he's saying is that, oh, these poor sinners who are crucifying me, and he prays for them on the cross in Luke 23, 34. Luke 23, 34, then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment, cast lots. And then he's saying, then he's saying, not, oh, my head, my back, my feet, my hands. He's saying, oh, this poor thief, 
crucified next to me, who, that he, he should not be cast into hell. And so he says in Luke 23, 43, Luke 23, 43, Jesus said unto him, verily I say unto thee, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And then he said, again, he's not complaining about what he says, he says, oh, this poor woman, this poor woman who now will not have me to take care of her. And he says from the cross to John, enter her in John 19, 26, John 19, 26. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, behold thy mother. From that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. And then comes the time when he sees his death is approaching. It's approaching. There's a darkness over all the earth. There's an either greatest darkness within him in Mark 15.33, Mark 15.33, when the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole earth over the, until the ninth hour, and at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now he has become the perfect sin offering. No blemish, and all of our sins are laid on him. And God the Father can't look at him. He turns his face away, and from his soul, the darkness in his soul, he cries out, my God, my God, this has never happened before. Never have I ever known separation from you. Why have you now forsaken me? My disciples have forsaken me. My friends have forsaken me. My nation has forsaken me. But now you, God, have forsaken me. This is the most horrible soul agony. But even with this, he goes it alone. And he doesn't give up. And he doesn't give up. And now in the last stages of death, he's dying by dehydration. He's at this stage where it talks about in Psalm twenty-two, fourteen, Psalm twenty-two, fourteen, when he says, I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. That was from the great thud. My heart is like wax. That's because the water has come out of his heart. And it is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, like a broken piece of pottery. He's looking down, he probably sees a broken piece of pottery there. He says, that's like my strength. I have no strength. My tongue cleaves to my jaws. He can't even speak. His tongue is stuck to his jaws. No moisture. And thou hast brought me into the dust of death. The wind blows. He sees dust. He knows this is a place of death. He says, I've been brought into the dust of death with his tongue now stuck to the top of his jaws. He needs a little moisture, just a little moisture, so he can get out the last victory cry. So he says, I thirst, I thirst. It's the first time he's expressed the need for himself. And so what do they do? Do they give him water? No, in cruelty they give him vinegar. In vinegar, but that's all right. Just enough for him to cry out in verse 30, John 19.30, John 19.30, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it's finished. He bowed his head and gave up the ghost. All this work that he did for our atonement, he finished it. Death was finished for us. Condemnation for our sins was finished. The devil's grip on our souls was finished. He did it, and we rejoice. And that's what happened on Good Friday. That's what happened. Now comes the response, because all of this is information, information, information. But now comes the, so, so, now comes the answer, the question, what does it mean for me personally? What does all this mean for me? Is this just historical information? All that the Lord Jesus did was to, to come and to open 
the way to God for every person. That's what he did. He opened the way for every person to come to God. And then he steps back and he says, now it's up to every person to walk through that door. God's not gonna push anyone through that door because all he did on Good Friday was for each person to to open the door, but each person has to make their own individual decision. A decision to accept or to reject. A decision to receive or to refuse. A decision to come or not to come. The steps to come to God, they're so simple. They're so simple that a child can do it. Child Evangel, Delmar Fair is coming up. I'll be at the child evangelism booth, the Bible castle there, giving the same simple steps. Children understand it. Children understand it. The first symbol, the first step, symbolized by a color, symbolized by a color. Our hearts, our hearts are black with sin. The first step is to come to God confessing our sins. We are sinners. We are dirty, rotten sinners, that kind of sinner. Not the good sinner. Not the kind of not the sinner that just makes mistakes, but the sinner that's a dirty, rotten sinner. That's us. That's the first step. Without that, the Lord Jesus says, You're not sick, you don't need a physician. The second step, symbolized by the color red, stands for his blood. That's what we've been considering now on Good Friday. This is the step to believe that the Lord Jesus Christ was really not a victim. He was a willing sacrifice. He was a willing volunteer. He came, he came as God who became a man for the sole purpose of heading for Good Friday. He had that in his view from the time that he came to earth. I am going to that day of suffering, to that Passover Friday. The next step, seen by the color white, white, which symbolizes how he can make our heart. White as snow, clean, it was, if only we will throw open the door of our hearts, throw open the door of our hearts and receive him, the gift. God so loved the world that he gave a gift. And just take the gift, and then the next color, green, which means commitment to grow. Commitment to grow by making a life of living in this word, a life of living in the Bible and praying. Now, if you believed what happened on Good Friday was for you, you personally, and you want to come to God, you want to do that, there couldn't be a better night, a better time than right now to open your heart to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal sin offering, your personal Good Friday offering for your sins. And so just pray with me. Just pray from your heart. Just try as best you can. Take these words and mean them. So bow your head. Bow your head now and just pray. Say, oh God, I am a sinner and I need the Lord Jesus Christ to be my Savior. I believe that everything that happened to him was when he died, he died for my sins, and Sunday he rose again on the third day. I open my heart now Please come in. Be my God. Be my Savior. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, God meant it too. God meant it too. He saved you. And now, if you've done that, along with all who have done that in the past, we have the privilege now of doing something that he said we should do, which is to take these elements, the bread, the juice, 
the bread that symbolizes his body, the juice that symbolizes his blood, and remember what he did for you. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.